Hey guys, I'm Lisa Stone with Parenting Aces. This is a special version of our podcast with special guest James Blake and Chris Griffin. Hi guys, welcome and thanks so much for doing the chat today. Sure, hey. Yeah, so James, I'm going to start out. Everybody, I hope everybody that's watching this knows who you are and knows about your pro career, but it's always fun to hear from players about what their junior tennis journey looked like. And for you, you had kind of an, a sidetrack on your path to the pros by stopping in on the college side. And I always, you know, I'm a huge proponent, huge fan of college tennis and love hearing people's stories where college tennis was part of their journey. So maybe talk a little bit about how you got started. I know, you know, you, you're from a big family, a blended family that was rather big and your brother played and, and you started playing at a young age, but what was your junior tennis like and what was your parents' role? Yeah, well, I, I definitely got started pretty early and I joke with my parents the reason I got started tennis was because they were too cheap to pay for a babysitter because they <laughs> liked playing tennis and they would bring me and my, my older brother up there to while they were playing and we just started watching them and we were playing ourselves and then they would toss us a few balls and we wanted to be like them. So that's how I kind of got my start and, and kind of fell in love with the game pretty early on. Um, and then my junior career was was probably a little different. I mean, I love the fact that it's an individual sport, so there's no one specific way to get to the pros. And for me, I was not that great of a junior when I was in the 12s and 14s and really even into the 16 and unders, um, partly because I was pretty small. Um, I was um, five feet tall going into my uh, high school career. I was 85 pounds, and I was hitting a one-handed backhand and getting overpowered like crazy by every, everyone that was any, any bigger and stronger than me. So... Um, I kind of developed later, and then as I got better and better, um, became apparent that I could possibly at least have a, a college career where I could play um, at top-level college tennis, hopefully, and um, then I kept improving and improving, and top-level college tennis seemed like it was maybe, as you said, maybe a stepping stone to, to the pros, and um, as I was getting recruited, I really thought I went through the process of probably narrowing it down to about two that I was really serious about. I was Harvard and North Carolina. Um, I ended up choosing Harvard a lot uh, because my older brother was already there and I got to know the team very well. Uh, I got to know the coach very well. And I love the fact that it was just two hours from where I grew up, two and a half hours. And my parents would come watch a lot. And they had done so much for my tennis career at that point as a junior that I wanted them to be able to still watch me play when I was playing at Harvard. And uh, they got the opportunity to see me and my brother play together. They got the opportunity to, to come up and watch uh, almost every weekend. So uh, for me, that was a great experience. I absolutely loved being part of a team. I loved uh, pretty much any time I had the, the chance. I, I played on my high school tennis team, which a lot of guys at sort of the top national level really didn't bother playing that high school tennis. And I, mm -hmm. I loved it just because um, of the fun I had with the team. And, um, you know, it just it just get, made me smile and it made me enjoy tennis for the for the sake of uh, for the sake of enjoying it, not just so focused on the end result. So you mentioned playing on your high school team. So you went to traditional school, I'm assuming. Yeah, I did. I went to a public school. Um, so I never did the tennis academy thing. I, I never went down to Florida to do that. I never did um, even a private school in, in the area where I may have more time. I may be able to, uh, to step away and they may have a little more leeway for allowing you to play tournaments or allowing you to travel or, or anything like that. I went to public school. And I, for me, I, I feel like my progression was a little more – it was – 
gradual in my um, in my preparation. I, I felt like I played a, a pretty normal amount when I was 12, 13, 14, and then I, I kept kind of ramping it up little by little. Um, and that was that was the way it was. It worked for me because I think if I had trained like a pro when I was 14, 15, 16, like I see these kids at some of these academies, for me, I don't think that would have worked. I think I may have burned out. I think I may have not felt like I had anywhere to go. I felt I always felt like I had so much more to learn and so much more to do and, and how much harder I could work as I got further and further along in my career. When I got to college, when I got to the pros, to the point where I felt like I was one of the hardest workers out there um, because I built up to that and I felt comfortable doing that. So I, I love the fact that I went to a normal high school and had uh, friends that didn't know a thing about tennis and um, went to normal high school parties and prom and all that kind of stuff. I, for me, that was what um, what I enjoyed and, and I felt good about it. And I, I don't know if it'll work for everyone, but it, it, it's just the the path that I needed to take to get me to where I where I wanted to go. Was that a conscious decision on either your part or your parents' part to kind of keep you in a more normalized environment, or is it just kind of the way it worked out? Well, it you know sometimes I think things work out uh, the way they sort of are supposed to or need to because my parents made that decision more because of the academics. They wanted me focused on academics. Um, which is part of the reason I went to Harvard as well. I wasn't I wasn't just going there for the sports. Obviously, I got a pretty good uh, pretty good reputation in the academic world. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so academics came first, and then it was tennis. And so they felt like this was still the best way for me to have um, a chance at doing well academically. Uh, I mean, it may also have come down to logistics with the fact that a private school or those tennis academies, um, when I wasn't as good when I was younger, I probably wouldn't have been offered a scholarship. So. Uh, they might have been a little out of our price range. So I wouldn't have been able to, to go to those and I, I wouldn't have had that opportunity. So public school was the way to go. And um, I feel like my parents always preach that you make the best out of every situation. And um, the public school that I went to was was actually a really good school. I, I did the best I could. And uh, my brother went through there as well. He obviously got into Harvard and graduated. I'm the, I'm the black sheep of the family that didn't actually graduate. I left after my sophomore year, but uh, still got my opportunity to go to Harvard. I would say you've done okay by yourself. <laughs> still still working on it. Yeah, yeah. So those of you that are watching live right now, if you have questions for James or for Chris, you can go ahead and type those in the comment box and we'll see those and hopefully get you some answers. So I wanna just invite you to do that. And now, Chris, I wanna turn to you. Chris is working with a new virtual academy called Sora. And Chris, can you tell us a little bit about Sora and kind of why you and James are both here at the same time? Sure. Um, so I'll start with the, the second part there. Um, I actually happened to meet James uh, a little over 20 years ago, right pretty much when he started his pro career. I was working with Dunlop at the time, and they signed him right out of Harvard. Um, and I actually met him here. I'm in Atlanta. And um, I met him here at the Super Show. It was probably one of his first autograph sessions. Um, and we just sort of hit it off. So um, I happened to do James's website afterwards. And, you know, we've been pretty good pals since then. Um, so to the first part of the question, um, Sora came about, it also has an Atlanta tie. Um, so about two and a half years ago, uh, my son definitely was not quite fitting in so well at our local public school. I'd actually even tried to homeschool for a little while. And uh, we gave it a go in ninth grade and it, it was okay. Um, but 
you know, we definitely were looking for options, as I know a lot of families are that might not, you know, traditional school might not fit with them so well. Um, and I just happened to uh, hear about a, a new school that was starting up. It actually hadn't even got off the ground yet. I happened to uh, be able to set up a meeting with the three founders and just, you know, couldn't have been more impressed with what they had to say at the time. Um, they talked about it being a virtual school, flexible hours, being able to go at your own pace, doing project work, um, no tests, no quizzes, uh, just sort of developing real world skills. And uh, I basically said, you know, if you guys can get this off the ground, I think I might have your first student for you. And that's pretty much the way it worked out. Um, Cade uh, started a couple of years ago. He's finished his second year now. And uh, we went from, you know, him being pretty miserable getting off the bus every day to this is like the most important thing in his life. So it was a really great turnaround for our family. And since I had the tennis connection already, I kind of realized that a lot of tennis families were looking for a sort of a similar situation where they could use the flexibility of, you know, being able to uh, work at your own pace, work on your own time. And I, I mentioned to them that, you know, they might want to try to reach out to some of these families that are looking for a situation like that. Also, maybe looking for a different approach to education. And, uh, and that's how we got here. So I'm basically just trying to help families to find an alternative um, and, and see if we can't uh, have them, you know, what happened for SOAR for us happened for them, too. I love that. So I did get one question ahead of time that I want to just read to you guys. Um, uh, this parent said, in the past year, most of the players who were traditionally in public schools have had an opportunity to experience online learning. And I was hoping my kids would say, hey, let's go online, you know, uh, since they've been doing this for the past year, but they were so happy to go back to regular school in the past month and are looking forward to September to going back again. They love playing tennis and are very competitive. They work hard on court and also they have excellent grades and extracurricular participation, plus volunteering and other things. I'm wondering if online schooling will benefit them, which they obviously don't see the benefits right now, or are they just doing fine balancing with regular school? Tennis is all about being happy on court and proper mindset. So are not all kids meant to be homeschooled? Are there some who do better with regular interactive schools? So I'd kind of point to what James said a little bit earlier about everybody kind of has to find their own path. Um, you know, certainly um, virtual school could be the perfect fit for some kids, but you know, it obviously is missing at times the actual in-person component. Um, that if that's super important to families, uh, then, you know, by all means, and then that's the way to go for them. Um, again, I can, can only speak for a few of the families, uh, at Sora who, who do sort of have to juggle, uh, you know, whether it's soccer or dance or tennis, um, and, you know, they get enough of the, uh, in-person, uh, socialization either through their teams or through some of the clubs that are offered at Sora where it works for them as well. Um, but I think James, you know, was right when he said, you know, you just kind of have to find what fits best for your family. Yeah. James. I, oh, sorry. I was yeah. just going to ask you when you were coming up, did you know anybody that was homeschooled or virtually schooled? So I think uh, I'm, I'm probably aging myself, dating myself a bit, but it wasn't nearly as popular or as common at that right. time. Um, uh, homeschooling was seen as sort of a last resort. Um, and then as I was on tour, I noticed a ton of tennis players that were going through the homeschooling process and doing it 
for the reason of they want to have more time training, they want to have more flexibility, and especially for some of the top juniors that are traveling to uh, junior Grand Slams, uh, international ITF events where they're uh, where they're playing a lot and they can't miss that much school. If you're going to a normal school, you just can't be out of the classroom uh, that often. So it, it made sense for them, and that became more and more popular. And of course, when it becomes more popular, I think the schools get better. They they're able to function better. They realize the the pitfalls and and what's working. So they they sort of streamline things. And I think that's uh, the iteration we're at now, where we're seeing that these schools are extremely effective. And I, I think we all saw it last year with how important online schooling is. But my kids were uh, schooled online all year. Tons of parents uh, were going through that process of seeing how online schooling works. And uh, I mean, to me, I was pleasantly surprised with how much my kids learned in a year and how um, how really accessible the teachers can be and, and how, um, how, well, how patient they are, especially with my younger daughter, but uh, they can, uh, what they can do online with online schooling. But when I was growing up, I, I never thought of it as a possibility for me. Uh, and I think a lot of people uh, in, in for my generation didn't see it as really much of an option unless it really was out of necessity. I mean, it's, so my son homeschooled for a year and a half in middle school or virtual schooled for a year and a half in middle school and then went back to bricks and mortar, uh, you know, regular public high school. And <clears throat> our high school was willing to work with him and put him in a compressed school day. So he would go from 7 a.m. to noon straight through and then he'd be done with school for the day and then would hit the tennis courts, which worked out great, but not every school system is willing to be that adaptable. Um, private schools oftentimes are a little more flexible than public schools, but even then it's often, you know, just it's the absences more than the notion of the compressed school day that, that tends to add up as you were talking about James, as the players get better and, and start staying in the tournaments longer and missing Friday and Monday, or if they're playing ITFs, those run through the week. So you're missing the whole week of school. Chris, how is Sora kind of working with families to kind of fit the schooling into the individual needs of that family or that particular student? Sure. So the way Sora works um, is it has some asynchronous and some synchronous work. Um, but you know, in advance, that mean, uh, Sorry, sorry. What what does that mean? Oh, sorry. Uh, so synchronous work would be something where you need to be live, present, and you know, online uh, as mm -hmm. it's happening. Asynchronous okay. means you can just do it whenever. Okay. Um, so for the classes uh, that Sora offers, um, you can pick uh, ahead of time. It's it's not unlike like a college, like a, a class might meet Monday, Wednesday, Friday at ten to eleven, or Tuesday, Thursday. So you kind of know your schedule and can set your schedule to a certain degree. Uh, every month in advance. So if you know you're going to be out for a tournament or out for, you know, Friday through Sunday, typically, you could avoid those Friday classes. Um, so uh, in, in that regard, you can sort of plan in advance. Um, on a daily basis, um, there are morning and afternoon checkpoints where the students sort of uh, go live with the other students in their house. So they've split the 70 or so students into five different houses. Um, those aren't uh, quite as um, necessary to attend. Uh, you know, you would need an, an absence and, or excuse me, an excused absence for, for those. Other than those two things though, uh, you can get your work done, you know, as, as needed, when needed, um, and, and, and do it at your own pace as well. So um, there's plenty open lines of communication, you know, between the administration and, and parents uh, to, 
you know, make whatever accommodations are needed and, um, and hopefully it can, it can work out. I love that. James, you touched on the whole issue of burnout and, you know, we all know this is really common, especially in an individual sport like tennis, where kids are often specializing at a very young age and, you know, they're out there by themselves. They don't have necessarily the peer group around them to have the support that they would have in a team environment. And one of the concerns I think with, you know, choosing the virtual school route or the homeschool route is that thought that you might be further isolating your kid from their peers and how do we compensate for that, you know, and, and make sure that they are getting the necessary socialization as well as avoiding that burnout. James, can you speak to that? Yeah, so that's something I would have been very concerned about um, when I first saw homeschooling becoming more of a popular option because I felt like these kids weren't getting that kind of socialization, social skills. They were going to come out as almost robots. They're coming into tennis, into the, ten, the pro ranks um, as someone that can only talk about tennis, only knows about tennis, and really hasn't spent any time socializing. They're the kind of that you might sit at dinner with and they can't look you in the eye. They're looking down at the phone and they're not paying attention and they don't have those social skills. But I think, as I've said, the, the homeschooling has continued getting better and better. The, the virtual schooling has gotten better and better to the point where I, I do talk to Chris. Like I said, like he said, we, we've been friends for a while and we talk about how Kate's doing. And I actually spoke to the class and they all had very intelligent questions. They all had a lot, uh, a lot of uh what seemed like very intelligent curiosity and um and it seems like they all get together so i talked to chris and they, they talk not not just online while they're um while they're in class but they talk otherwise and so they are still building those social skills and i do think it is really important for a tennis player because no matter how good you are no matter how straight you think your path is going to be from juniors to college to pros or whatever like there's going to be some bumps so at those times for me if i have some bumps some tough loss or whatever like i'm going to go back to class and focus, you know, solely on my history homework and the party that I'm going to and, the, you know, whoever, I, you know, my friends, I'm going to go back to, to something that's comfortable for me. So if you didn't have that, I think it would be, it, it could be a problem because you don't know where to go when there's a little bit of a valley in your tennis career. So um, the fact that now they've gotten so much better, especially the, the one that I know Cade goes to, um, with with that being so much better, they still have that outlet. And I think it's it's much better, but I still will always say it has to be an individual thing because some people don't feel like that is enough of an outlet. Some people do. Some people are extremely comfortable with that situation. And, you know, I never really felt like I had that option um, because, like I said, the, the schooling back then was, was very different. And, um, and my option, it worked out well for me being able to be to have a little bit more of an outlet where I can just go and talk to my friends and be that normal kid that isn't so focused on tennis all the time. Right. Chris, what are you seeing with Cade? Oh, go ahead. Yeah, well, uh, this involves Cade. This is going to thoroughly embarrass him, but I will. Say <laughs> That's he, your job. <laughs> he, uh, he has his first girlfriend through Sora. Uh, so, so Uh-oh. That, so that's, that's a good uh, check in the box of the socialization uh, theme. But also, um, the Sora uh, tries to, obviously, they know that that's going to be a concern for plenty of parents is the socialization factor. Um, so clubs have always been, student-run clubs have always been something that have really been important uh, for Sora. And um, they are virtual, uh, but, you know, there's an anime club, a film club, photography club, you name it. There's a ton of clubs at all these kids. And whenever they 
you know, find other kids that are into the same thing. I mean, that's just a huge relief for them. Um, and that was kind of one of the main factors that um, has made it so, you know, welcoming for Kate is that he's found other kids that are into what he's into as well. Um, so, so that's been really helpful for us. Um, speaking of clubs, I'll, I'll point out one other thing for Sora. Um, they have something called Roadmap Club. And that's where the founders actually welcome in the students to give feedback about the school and come up with solutions to the school. It's only two years old, so they're still making improvements, you know, on a daily basis. But it's a great way for the kids to kind of see how not only a school, but a business operates and uh, really get invested in making changes and seeing those come to fruition. So they really have uh, uh, some feeling of agency and importance when it comes to their education and it helps the buy-in. I love that. You know, one of the big issues that we've had in recent years is schools not being accredited uh, in terms of NCAA uh, compliance and and being eligible to play NCAA sports. Does Sora have that accreditation and how does that yeah, work? Yeah, yeah. I, I should have brought that up earlier. It took a little while, but um, yes, uh, as of a few months ago, they're NCAA accredited. So I know that's obviously a question that's you know top of mind for pretty much any tennis family. Um, so yes. Okay, cool. Um, James, you said your kids have been doing the virtual school thing with COVID just like everybody else across the world. Do you, after having gone through this the last year and a half or so, would you consider doing a virtual school for your kids if it turned out you know, that could help them with their other pursuits outside of their academics or strictly as an academic option for them? Yeah, for me, I think I would wait until I believe they're comfortable with making that decision on their own. Um, because I, like I said, I do think it's so, everything is so individual that I think if they get to 13, 14 years old and they have shown me that they're also so committed to whatever it is because uh, i'm not going to push them into tennis um if they want if they want it to be tennis i've got plenty of resources can help them hopefully but if it's um <laughs> if it's dance if it's swimming if it's soccer whatever it is if they're if they've shown that they want to be so focused on that and are still going to get the academic work done because as much as I'm not exactly like my dad or my parents, but I, I do stress academics and I will still stress academics. So as long as I, they prove to me that they're getting the academics that they still need and they can, it, it's shown me that it's possible, that it is very possible to get the academic work you want. Um, but they, they would have to show me that they're committed to doing something and to doing it well and to really putting their kind of their heart and soul into uh, another endeavor, whether whatever it be, sports, piano, whatever. Um, and it makes it more flexible and this makes it so that they're capable of doing that. And, uh, and they show me that then, yeah, I, I would, I would definitely be open to it. Um, but I, I want it to be, I, I'm not going to push them into it, at, especially not at this age. My kids are nine and seven. Um, when they're 13, 14, 15, if they come to me and say, Hey, I want to figure out a way to make, uh, to make the Olympic team in this, or to be at Carnegie hall, uh, playing the piano, whatever it is they want to do you know what, then we're going to find a way to do it. And this gives you, this gives you more of an option instead of saying, well, you're stuck in class in school from 7.30 to 2.30 every day. So there's no way you can go and practice during those times. Well, mm -hmm. if you do it in an online way, we can figure that out. You know, one thing that I think is really cool that we're seeing on the pro tours is that the pro tours are partnering with virtual education organizations and we're seeing a lot of professional athletes pursuing higher education opportunities while out on the tour 
Mm. And I think that's really cool to see, you know, the, the players that did bypass college or even players like you that may have gone a year or two and didn't complete their degree, you know, at age 22, but are now having opportunities to do that remotely. I'm very lucky to do that because I'm actually, I, I spoke to a college advisor yesterday about uh, restarting mine as well. So there's really? a chance we start it next year or either, either this fall or next fall, most likely I'll start it. I always had the plan to do that once my kids got to a certain age where I could kind of feel like I'm doing my work while they're doing their homework and stuff. So, and I don't know what, I mean, maybe it's been the pandemic, but it's got me, you know, around and learning a lot online anyway, that maybe I should start, uh, I should start, uh, start the process. So I've, uh, I've started looking into it and the ATP has a great deal with Indiana University East. And uh, I, may, uh, I may be transferring from Harvard to Indiana, but uh, we'll see <laughs> um, pretty soon because I actually, I contacted Harvard as well and they don't do the, the online even they're, for you, even for James Blake, <laughs> they're extremely traditional, and no one breaks uh, breaks the rules for for Harvard. They just uh, they go about it the way they want to go about it, and um, so I, they they would welcome me back, but I'd have to be on campus to do it. So I and I, I don't quite think it's fair to move my family back to Boston for two years when they've gotten used to the seventy and sunny here in San Diego every day. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, any last words you want to share with us, James? Because I, I know you've got to run soon. Um, and, and we just so appreciate you taking time out to be with us. Yeah, it's my pleasure to do this. And, and yeah, I mean, the, pretty much it's been a theme for me is, is the individual aspect of it. You know, you, it, I think I'm really excited about the fact the way that uh, homeschooling or virtual schooling uh, has come along from when I was a kid. Uh, it continues to get better and better, and it makes it so everyone has that option, whether it be you're uh, you're in a virtual school because you didn't feel comfortable in a public school, whether it's you're there because you need to be at your dance uh, practice uh, or your gymnastics practice at crazy hours or hockey practice when you have to, you know, the only time the ice is available. And this makes it so that you can be flexible or you're traveling a lot, your family's traveling a lot, whatever it is. Um, it gives you the, those options. And um, it's, and like I said, it's not for everyone because, you know, tennis isn't for everyone. Tennis, there's no straight line. And so I, I love the fact that there's more options now. And, and as a kid, I, I you know, I, I, like I said, I only had one or two real options and I did the best of what I, what, what I was given. But I think now, uh, giving every kid uh, that opportunity. Like I said, I would give my kids and if this is a better opportunity for them. I, I love the fact that it's out there as a possibility. Thank you. I appreciate that. Chris, any last words you want to share too? Oh, and James Niru Gianthi says hello. He just typed a <laughs> hi in the, in the comments. <laughs> yeah, I just say how grateful I am that uh, we are at a, a point where there are options available for parents. I know you know, it's it's a big leap to take as a parent to go from what you've known uh, to something that is brand new. Um, and, you know, that's a risk. Uh, but uh, at times it pays off. And for our family, uh, SOAR has definitely paid off and, and turned uh, turned what wasn't in the heading in the right direction to, you know, super positive. So that's been great. Chris, do you know the website for SORA? And I can just I do. It sure. It's uh, Sora Schools with an S at the end. dot com. S O R A Schools. dot com. Okay, I'm gonna just put that up on the screen. There we go. So if anybody wants to check it out and get more information, there's the link SoraSchools. dot com. Please make sure to click and and see what they're offering. Um, James and Chris, thank you both so much for coming on and chatting with us and fielding some questions and answering 
the questions that I get all the time, you know, from parents about, do I virtual school? Do I homeschool? Do I keep my kid in regular school? How do we balance this whole school and tennis thing and make sure my kids, you know, turn out normal at the end of the day? I mean, it's it's a lot to, to deal with and it's way more complicated than when you were coming up, James, and certainly when I was coming up way before you. Um, but so happy to know that we have such great options out there for our kids to help them become their best selves, whatever that means. Absolutely. Yeah, thanks yeah. for doing this. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces.